This is Gemma, and this is Money Can't Buy You Class, a podcast about uh, reality television through a critical lens. Hello. Yes, hello, hello. Um, we, I hate when people say housekeeping, so I'm not going to say that, <laughs> but we do have an important announcement that we have a website. Ding, 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 website announcement. And it's called um, moneycan'tbuyyouclass.cargo.site. Yes, and it is very exciting for us. Um, it's extremely exciting. Hopefully it's exciting for you too. It's like kind of our little hub, our little home. We have all of our episodes and descriptions on there. We have a syllabus, which is a growing project um, that I'm particularly pumped about. We also launched on that website a um, sort of new project or a new form of project that we're experimenting with called Extended Notes, which is basically um, kind of a collaborative research document that we do with guests uh, prior to recording. And um, we're kind of going through and relooking at some of those and going back into our archive and thinking about how those documents kind of inform our thinking and also our episodes. But um yeah, the website is just kind of like a little arm off the podcast and it's stay, stay in tune with it. I think there's going to be some good stuff on there. Mm-hmm. And it, it looks cool. It I watched as Gemma made it over Zoom. <laughs> Gemma spent like three straight hours doing it and I was like, I was just watching her. But I keep telling people that I made it with we you. I keep it. telling people we made it, but in reality, <laughs> Gemma made it. But I keep telling people that we made it so I can possibly get hired to do website work. Oh, there you so go. So I get my jobs. I lie about things I can't do. I mean, let's be honest. Collaboration is is an intense process. It's multifaceted. It moves. It grows. That's why I love it. Always a new, exciting turnaround. You never know what's yeah. going to be next. Well, you need to. I think that collaboration, the reason why you need to have like not a big ego because it's nothing is ever 50 50 but I think that you need to like there needs to be like a knowing in it that you are collaborating exactly it's more of like a a trust right right it's a trust it's just because we both love reality television so much true which is kind of the bond that keeps the most disparate of groups together yes the bond that keeps on bonding yes um Anyway, speaking of reality television and collaboration and co-workers, <laughs> we <laughs> want to talk about the two-part, not three, not four, going back to two-part Vanderpump Rules season nine reunion that just yes. aired. Instead of it being like week by week, it was like two days in a row. Mm-hmm. And it, I feel like because of that, it just kind of got like swallowed up into like the ether of, um, you know, film TV. And then it 
I've like, I've, I always watch them online, but I feel like because it was two days, like it was, they meant for it to go like straight online. Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, so season nine ended and I don't know. I really was into the, this last season of Vanderpump Rules, as a lot of other people will tell you, was not great. It was kind of extremely boring, but yeah. I thought the reunion, at least the first like 30 minute, the first like 20, 30 minutes of the first episode part of the reunion was really great. Yes, I agree. It was, it was a really good reunion. I think what stood out to me was sort of um, like for some reason, the reunion, I mean, the cast of VPR is so um, it's kind of a special ensemble, you know, versus like Real Housewives and stuff. It's been the most sort of consistent same group. This is the first season they didn't have the kind of really major players of Jax, Stassi and Kristen on. And there was like one new person. And then season eight, they had tried to shake it up and it didn't really work. And so but unlike Housewives, where they it's kind of part of the formula to reintroduce new friends and new housewives every couple seasons, VPR pretty much stays with its core crew. And the people who come in are just usually people who are have started dating somebody who's part of the core crew. So I thought that the reunion, just the opening of it, I was like, also the fact that they sit on the bar stools, which is like they've done that since like the first reunion and it, there's something that's so much more cold and like so much more juvenile than like the housewives on their thrones like they really feel like kind of emasculated in this way um but seeing them all sit around in on their bar stools like and throughout the reunion you really get a sense of their like relationship to one another you really feel the deepness and the like longevity of their relationships yeah. And you can also like very physically see how much they've all changed. I think a lot of it is like they've gotten like the Botox and the facelifts or the nose jobs, which is like at certain points, like been part of the um, the drama on the show, like with Raquel and her botched nose job. Yes. Um, but I think that it's also just a testament to like they've just like made a lot of money from the show um, and like just by being on reality television, they've kind of like secured their like financial place in life and in a certain way, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that they can just like afford now to like they can afford to look like they can afford to look like they're rich, right. <laughs> which or or that they just can like look how they want to look. And they, um, I don't know, it's like especially seeing like Sheena or like Ariana. They just, they look, especially Ariana, they look a lot different than they did yeah. nine years ago. Yeah. And, and that's even kind of exacerbated because like this reunion had a lot of flashbacks because I think we're looking towards like the end of VPR. Um, I don't know if it's gonna, I don't think they've announced anything, but like, you know, I think maybe season 10 will be the final one, you know, 10 years, season 10. But um there is this kind of like, because of their like long-term relationship, because the cast has been the same for so long, there's really clear threads for each character. Um, and the flashbacks are really heavily used in the later season. So I feel like those flashbacks though, really do like enforce the time that's lapsed. Um, and I think that like VPR is kind of good in that way. Like I feel like it has actually, because maybe they're a certain age, you actually do feel personal change in the cast members 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that what I wanted to talk, like when I was, um, I was really blown away by the first part of the, of the reunion though, because, um, you know, like they go around the circle. How are you? How are you? And they're like, you know, Andy Cohen is like cheeky little jokes. Like call some kids, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Tom Sandoval gets really offended, but then he's like, James, how are you? And James is like, not good. Right. Raquel and I decided to break up. And everyone, I didn't realize that they hadn't told them or that they were going to do it. Totally surprised. It was insane. And like everyone's face just like dropped. And usually there's like music that like background music to like tell the viewer how you're supposed to feel. Right. It's like, uh, but there was, it was just like silence and you could just see everyone's brain going a million miles an hour being like, did they know? Who knew? I didn't know. Did you know? Did you know? know? You know? And it was like, I don't know. It was just, and I think that for, you know, and, and even listening to James and Raquel talk about their breakup and why they decided to do it and to announce it. I think that was really like, it reminded me about like what makes good reality television right. is our actual things happening. And then you get this satisfaction and watching like real reactions on people's faces. And it also was just making me think about the reason why like all these shows are getting worse you know, it, including Vanderpump Rules and Beverly Hills and New York and shit is because people don't want to do as much stuff on the camera anymore yeah. while they're filming. Just because obviously it's like scary and obviously everyone like thinks that they're vil- like ever- all of them are villains and all of them are like like egregious human beings. But, you know, it makes the shows really bad when nothing happens. And then like when we always talk about this, like what the really good stuff happens when they're not filming. So it was kind of great to like see this like big reveal happen and then to understand, especially because like the cast of Vanderpump, like their only thing going for them is that they're like randomly on this show. So to like hear like James Raquel talk about like the politics of that and figuring that out, I think it really made it, I don't know that it was, it was, it was cool. It was cool to watch. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Yeah. It it was, it was sort of like, satisfying in a way I mean I think it's interesting to think about James like just focusing on James for a second like being the one to kind of bring bring that moment in and kind of bring in that realness I mean James and Raquel together uh you know but James has been a really really important uh like figure on VPR and he's like been really reviled he's like had a very big redemption arc um you know he was kind of this like he was like 22 when he got on the show. So he mm-hmm. was really young. And now he's what? I, don't, I guess 29. 29. I guess he just he just turned 30. Right. So, you know, like I was saying, that chunk of time, a lot happens in somebody's life. And we've seen it a lot on James. And James was kind of the perfect reality TV star because he just never held back anything. He would say anything to anybody. He didn't really have a lot of allegiances. And he was kind of like, fuck you the whole time. And that like makes a really good reality star like a little bit similar. He was kind of like a, a logical successor to Jax, who Jax was much more likable than James. But Jax also, they actually referenced this in the reunion. Jax famously kind of thought it was his show. Like he kind of was like, he kind of wanted to challenge the authority of you know the the creation of the show in a way like he felt like he owned it it was his and so I feel like James and Raquel waiting to 
announce that until the reunion was so satisfying and interesting because it was so clearly without any like strings attached in service of the show, right? Like, it's not like their relationship was in service of the show. Sure. It was there. They met on the show, right? That was, it was fostered by the show. It was tarnished by the show, but the fact that they brought it up and it shows their own like awareness of their relationship as this plot point. And how do they negotiate the plot point over like their actual feelings? Well, and they also, they didn't meet on the show. They met in Jan, like a new year's party at, so they met at Sir, but when like between filming and then she went back to college and then we met her at like the beginning of like what season four. Yeah. Yeah. It had to be at the beginning of season four And then that was a whole, you know, so their whole relationship has taken place on the show. But I think that it's, you know, but it's like a very obvious like realness or like reality check for lack of a better term Mm -hmm. that like they met and they broke up off camera, which again, it's like, I keep thinking about like, I know, I know that I've said this a million times, but um, I keep thinking about like the relationship between like Greek tragedy Mm-hmm. and reality television and how like all the death occurs off stage in Greek tragedy right. and and then you just see kind of like the reaction to it or like you need to have a way to communicate the tragedy or to communicate the drama yeah. um and the so the drama becomes a drama of like reaction right um yeah. and I think that that's like a lot of a lot that that's what you saw you saw them breaking up but then you saw them like you saw the drama of their narration during the reunion and the reunion then it didn't become like looking back and redoing what had happened it actually started with this totally like non-rehearsed this totally like fresh um very like present or it was it was very much like they were filming the show and not the reunion because it was very present oriented and even future oriented and it had nothing to do really with anything that had ever been seen on the show right What's interesting about that, too, is like, you know, Andy said in the reunion, he said, like, well, you guys is the season. He said the season started with your engagement and it ended with your engagement party. So like it was like this anchor point, like it was like this. It, it had to they had to have something for this season. And that's what they focused on. Right. There's like in these seasons, there's like one or two big things that go down. And, you know, like season seven or whatever was like Jackson Brittany's wedding, right? Like this was like their engagement. And so the failure of the engagement has this like kind of like, it kind of has like kind of an extreme connotation. When you hear somebody talk about like breaking up or something, you personally go back in your mind. You're like, oh, they were so happy. Ariana's like, we were there three days ago. So like the looking back was almost like, to the viewer, it was almost like, like a way of being like, what happened? How could that happen? Like we saw their relationship, but in the same way, it kind of like very much inferred like that we haven't actually seen their relationship. And there's all sorts of stuff going on with these people that we don't know about. And that like, that they do conduct their major life decisions off camera, like you're saying. Yeah. But also I feel like you could, I mean, I the only reason I didn't think they were going to break up is because I, I feel like you could obviously see how miserable she had been yeah. the whole time. And I was kind of just like, oh, like if it doesn't happen, if it hasn't happened in five years, it's probably not going to happen, you know, after all of this. But I feel like this whole season, like he was just being like very 
not not creepy as in like sexually creepy but he was like you know when like people like overcompensate mm-hmm. by just like yeah. having like a lot of like with their nervous energy by just having like a lot of like happy energetic energy yeah I don't know I don't know you just can really see her kind of like become an adult yeah or like become a woman and really like graduate into that and like find I don't find find a voice or something so there's something a little bit like poignant about James and Raquel I have to say there's something I used to hate her I used to hate her so much yeah I did too and then she like really like yeah like you said she did kind of like graduate into this like other kind of person like another kind of presence but another thing that they both kind of reference like Raquel like this was the most non-VPR thing I've ever heard in my life when like Raquel was like you know like I've been thinking about my life and like I've wanted to be like a pediatric like physical therapist therapist, occupational therapist since I graduated college and you know since then I've just been like modeling like living the LA life like referencing being on the show like and now I'm kind of like oh maybe I do want to do that like that's an important thing to me and I was like whoa like this bitch being like I want to be an occupational therapist like you never get that from VPR cast members they all just are in service their futures are all in service of their own brand you know like Stassi wrote another fucking book who knows how she has enough to fill two books but like you know like the Tom Tom brand um but it felt like in that she was saying like, yeah, this isn't really like what I, this isn't really me anymore. And like James, when he like freaked out and walked off set, you know, he was like, I'm never fucking doing this again. And to me, what I heard in that was like, I'm never having a relationship on TV again. Well, I think that it, he also, there's like so much honesty when he was like, when I quit drinking, we thought that everything would change. Yeah. But it didn't. Cause I mean, ex- like, I mean, being sober is such an incredible achievement, you know, it's like, it's really like this incredible thing. So, but, but, but in a way, but it's not, it's not going to fix everything in your life. Right. It's going to fix a certain amount of things, but it's not going to, it's not like a blanket for everything that's going on. And I think that that's why like 12 step programs or AA or even like Al-Anon and therapy, you know, all of these things are so necessary to sobriety because it's just like, it's a whole other way of moving, of moving through your life. And definitely James's addiction and like Lala's addiction. um, Those were, I mean, you know, Lala sobbing because she's so proud of herself that she was yeah. able to be sober through her horrible breakup with uh, with Randall. That like those are always like the the realest parts of the show is like yeah. these two people in their twenties, these two very beautiful people who just kind of like party hard. You know, oh, like you're hungover again, but like everyone else is also hungover again. You know, of them really like admitting that they had an issue and then like becoming sober on national. television but it was just it's sad you know it's just like sad to see shit not work out for James because you want it to especially when he becomes sober because he's a good kid (laughs) he's a good kid (laughs) yes so another thing about VPR this season you know everyone was really like into being like it's boring it's stupid it's bad and like I didn't think it was like that bad. Like, sure, it was like kind of boring, but like, I really didn't think it was like that bad. And I think, I think that like VPR just like captures like a kind of like generational like ennui better than 
like a summer house or a below deck that are all about like these like torrid affairs and like like VPR used to be like that, but now it's kind of evolved into this like these like young these like millennials like on a journey to like purchasing a home and like having a baby and like committing in relationships, breaking out of relationships. I feel like it, they capture that essence pretty well. Uh, I think, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, I was going to say something about that. Like, I feel, you know, you, you and I, cause we're born in 96, like we're, that's like really, that's the deciding year, right. you know, of Gen Z and millennials. Um, I definitely have always felt like a millennial. Like I definitely feel like even people like a year younger than I am are like much more Gen Z. Yeah. So. Um, you know, um, and we both have younger siblings who are, very much so gen z you know (laughs) like but but i feel like part of the reason even that like jacks britney stassi and Kristen didn't come back like besides being like like calling the cops and almost besides everything that we know about it is because they're very indicative of like the type of millennial that's like already too old to, to even be recognized you know not not like recognized in public but I think that like even their mannerisms or like their desires or their fantasies or like their realities they're 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 like antiquated for like a contemporary reality show because they like they they're they're very much so obsessed still with like the like a cool latte or like straightness and monogamy in like a way they're so late aughts you know Right. And that's what I'm saying. And I feel like even you have someone like Sheena who like also wants her like one and only, but I feel like Sheena also like plays such a part in being like this very like Gen Z, almost like male fantasy um, aesthetic, Yeah, you know, where she's like, I used to do this. I used to do that. And like, I'll, I'll blend in. I'll do this. And like, she has the nails and the hair and the, you know, she's not married, but she's the baby. But I think the show definitely like, gravitates towards people who are like younger millennials and people who are gen z who can like still think that they're like old and stupid even with that like thinking about like like euphoria right like everyone loves to like talk about how like euphoria is like this kind of like like it's kind of a fucked up show because it's like a show about teens made for adults and other people like it's a show about adults made for teens there's like a real tension in terms of like the generational like voyeurism it's like who gets to watch this like who are we okay with watching this which is kind of um kind of weird and kind of I feel like kind of interesting well my dad was always just like why do you think the losers always win in movies about high school and I was like (laughs) why daddy why but he was like because the losers in high school wrote them yeah (laughs) you know what I mean like I don't think Judd Apatow was like cool in high like I don't think he was like you know fucking x y and z which is why he writes shit like super bad where like Michael Sarah and Jonah Hill are like like the like the heroes they're the winners you know it's, it's why so many high even like you know like Cameron Crowe who you know his actual high school experience was almost famous but mm-hmm. then he said that fast times at Ridgemont High was like the high school experience he always wanted right and even that movie focuses on like outcasts in a in yeah. a certain sense. Well, and I mean like the reference to, like this is so high school is a classic trope in reality TV, especially among housewives mm. who are like very much being like, I'm a woman. I, I'm not in high school. This is so high school. Like this you is guys funny. are in high school and I'm in Brooklyn. 
famous line um I, I just feel like vpr like i probably wasn't meant to do this and like i don't know if other people have this experience of it but for me i felt like it was very unabashedly kind of sad like i felt like this whole season was like and the reunion was it was sad like brock's situation is sad like he's i don't I'm not a fan i don't like like him but like his life is depressing and his relationship with Sheena is depressing and like you know we're supposed to be like we're supposed to be watching these people like we're supposed to be kind of like having like this scrapbook moment with them being like oh look they have a husband and a baby and a house like look how far they've come and like that is kind of like the aspirational thing that BPR is able to do right now but it's so they're all like like I said this on there's a sense of like real boredom and like real lack of direction that's like feels very like encapsulating of a moment no you're right you're right and I think that definitely at the beginning like Ariana and Katie Maloney are both just like we're bored yeah because you know because in a in a certain way like you get to where you wanted to be like they were like we don't want to work at Sir anymore and then they don't and then they're like incredibly depressed yeah you know because they don't like necessarily have well I I don't even know what it is but I think that they like achieve this type of like pseudo work which is like being on a reality television show. Mm-hmm. But but there's like nothing really to to do when you're not like living the life that the show created for you. Right. Which is like having drama at work and cheating and doing like they they they've grown up a little bit, but I th- but you're right, the show and, the, and this season definitely tapped into like that weird ennui of like what now? Like what do we do? And they're they're really bored and I, I don't think that they necessarily like it's not that they don't know what to do with the money it's just like I feel like like so many things the money or the fame was like expedited yeah but it didn't come from anything they had ever expected and it's kind of conditional because they don't do anything except be on the show so if the show fails they don't really have the money but they also hate having to make money by being on the show it's yeah. you're right there was just there was a lot of sadness in it and I think I'm just like kind of like obsessed about with it or, or I keep thinking so much about like just how the show has formed them into these people which are non which are like unrecognizable from the people that they started off the show being and why that like seems to be super like effective like a like affect you know like yeah. it's like effective to me it's just, it's sad it's just it's it's a it is sad I guess I also feel like it's kind of real. I feel like it's kind of true to life in a way. Like, I do think that, like, you move through, like, crazy times in your life to, like, achieve something, you know, achieve, like, some sort of goal or some sort of, like, idealized version of your life. And, like, once you get it, it's like, okay, what now? And I also wonder about the idea of like sadness and boredom coming from like stability or something. Cause like real in reality TV in general, like stability is like the enemy of reality TV. Like if you get too healthy, you're not fun on the show. If your life gets too easy or too normal, like Jackson, Brittany, you're off the show, you know? And so it feels like these are like the remnants of the, the cast that are like, they're not happy, but they're not unstable. You know, they're not, they have, they finally have a stability that they've, that they like, that the whole first 
section of Vanderpump Rules was obsessed with like exploiting how unstable these people's lives were. Like the instability, like instability is to me like the character of VPR, like just like chaos at all turns. Um, we always we always get into our little fight, you and I, about like how I don't care about characters and reality shows. But I think watching this reunion, I, I do. I think that this is actually a show where I really deeply care about these people. And I think partly it's because like they I just really I used to be able to relate so much to them, not in terms of their aspiration, because I've never I never relate to the fantasy of it. But I think that I, I literally just like related to being like at the same time like miserable but like elated to be working my shitty service job you know it's like such like a reminiscence it's such a like nostalgia and I think that especially the way that it's like it's shot and it's filmed it definitely like elevated working in working in service in a certain way and you you could see like I could totally see myself in that with like the weird relationships that I developed and the drama and the gossip because it's, it's such a world you know what I mean and like yeah I hated it, but I loved it. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't miss it and I don't want to go back to doing it, but, but it was definitely like a very significant part of my life that brought out very like intense, very, very intense uh, parts of me that I think that now I just, I get sad because like, even though, even though I've grown as a person, um, I, I feel like our fantasy is just diverged in, in, like a uh, incommensurate way, mm-hmm. or uncommit whatever way, it, they they just like diverged, and it's it's difficult to watch people grow into versions of themselves when you kind of like invested so much in 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 the, I guess like the potentiality of like what they could have been related to yourself. But I think that's why Vanderpump Rules is kind of a genius show because like it did elevate that like serving thing which is such a trope of like making it as a young person in a city it's like the most classic thing and I kind of took that to a new level and and I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to now do the trope of like what it's like to like navigate an adult life like buy a house and have babies and like you know be married like what they're trying to do is do that but for some reason they're not it's not it's not working so well. Like they're not really able to like capture like the experience of like being newly married, you know, like that is something that like, I don't know, could be interesting, but like they haven't been able to pull that out. You know, they're still trying to rely on those same kind of dramas, but it doesn't really fit the mold anymore. Well, you know what? I think it's also just like part of the curse of the show with which, which is like also a testament to like Lisa Vanderpump's narcissism and mm-hmm. an ego, uh, you know, God bless her. But, um, you know, the show, she, she, she rules over the show. Like it's her show. It's called Vanderpump Rules. And it's still like the opening sequence is all of them. Um, it doesn't really make sense anymore because it's like all of them kind of like assuming uh like like couple or thruple spots of them like doing like holding serving trays or or bottles of alcohol or something because they all used to be servers but now they're not and they're not like playing by her rules and the the drama isn't like she's gonna fire them like now the drama is like will she give them money or like will she acquiesce to you know funding their business ventures and i think that like that's also a part of the show which has gone awry or they can't like um get around because like even though they like yeah sure they may want to live in a house like hers but I think it's pretty obvious at this point that they're not going to and 
there there's nothing that she can really do right for them or to them so I would I mean I would love to you know like I'm the, I'm just not like as interested in like her life I guess no. anymore as I am with with their lives individually yeah and I think that a lot of the show like it, it failed this season is because she kept trying to interject yeah. but no one really cares about her interjections at a and Tom at a even kind of Tom Sandoval in the last in the finale kind of almost rebelled against her right you know, when they opened their new restaurant, you know, and then she was like giving them shit about it. Tom was like, this is, I don't really need your opinion about this, you know? Right. It's also so funny to like watch someone, um, you know, it's, it's like going to, going to high school with someone and then seeing who they turn out to be like 10 years later or whatever. Because it's like, you could always see like the first episode, season one, episode one of Vanderpump Rules was Tom like doing his hair with the straightener in the mirror and then like making drinks. And oh, Lisa, is this okay? And then you like totally see like this person who he's become, which is like such an extension of who he used to be. But you can totally tell that it's like exactly what he had always wanted. And you're like, oh, I I can recognize that now. Like I recognize that desire. Like I recognize who you're staring at in the mirror now. Tom... I think Tom has gotten Tom Sandoval has gotten exactly what he wanted. He's also so much more delusional than I thought he was. Yeah, this season he did not look good with his Botox behind his eyes, like near his temples. Yeah, that. But also just like in general, like vibe wise, I was like, you look like an idiot right now. Right, and I think that that's also like a sadness of the show. Is like I definitely wanted him to be better. Like I definitely yeah. want like that their bar to work out. But like it's so obviously like horrible and a failure, not going to work out. You're like, I wanted much better things for you. I think it will work. I think they they they'll make it work. I think VPR is pretty popular. I think people will go. Yeah, I guess so. Is it is it is it open yet? You're didn't you say that like you drive by it sometimes? I haven't, I I mean, I know where I drive, I've driven by the like Franklin village a lot, but Mm -hmm. um, no, I haven't driven past. I haven't seen like a sign or anything for it, Um, but it's, um, they said spring 2022. So coming up, coming up, I definitely want to attend. Yeah. I mean, VPR, I don't know. Like, yeah, it was like a lot of, a lot going on. Like the reunion was really good. It did make me feel very connected to them. I felt like it, it, it was a really logical ending to that season because there was a lot of felt very real. It felt very present. And even if the show felt kind of constructed or fabricated when it was on, I feel like it, what it was showing was a kind of realness. Like we're talking about was a kind of like realness of the sadness and this kind of like, yeah, boredom that they were all feeling. Um, And I feel like there's not much to do with that. And it feels like it's really hard to hide that, actually. It's really hard to make a show that feels like it's not about that when that's what the cast members are feeling. I did love, though, how it ended with uh, Raquel's dad picking her up. Oh, yeah. I was like, I don't know. I was like, go, Raquel. Like, you really made this whole show about you. Like, you made, like, because people watch it back and then they, like, now watch for, like, I feel like if I ever watch it back again, I'm going to, like, watch for the relationship with James yeah. and Raquel. Like, and I, I don't know. I feel like she, she did something very, uh, provocative is that she, she totally made it about herself and she, you know, it takes a special type of social maneuverer to yeah. break up with someone and make the person feel bad for you. Yeah. It's, yeah, she, I agree. I think she really. That's incredible. That's a feat. And everyone's on her side. Everyone yeah. is like, good for you breaking up with him, including James. He's like, good for you breaking up with me. <laughs> and everyone is like, you deserve better. And like, we love you, even though she's the one who ended it for. I wonder for... if Raquel's going to go on another show or something or going to stay on and become the star. I mean, I think the 
that she could stay on and become the star. And I think that Charlie also could do that too. Because I, I think, think that they're they both... gearing up for them being the next people. Yeah, but I mean, but it's also interesting because I feel like also like partly because of the pandemic and partly just because of like the the weird mature sensibilities of Gen Z in a way that I think that like millennials, a, a lot because a lot of millennials graduated into the recession. Yeah. So I think that there is like a type of, um, not that I'm like a social scientist or whatever, obviously, but I do think that there was this like urge for for craziness or like urge for just yeah. like like fuck you fuck all of this I guess I'll just like be poor and do my shitty job yeah. um in like a very almost like in a very non-romantic way like in a very self-hating way almost yeah and I don't think that Gen Z has that same thing I think that a lot of Gen Z feels like an urge to be more mature like more like yeah. self-starter e so I don't think that the show is ever going to go back to the like cheating cheating straightness xyz like I don't think yeah. that that would fly anymore yeah. but I do think that there is a possibility to like follow Raquel and Charlie through like I don't know, through something about like the moral precarity of the politics of friendship or something. Yeah. I really like Charlie, I have to say. Me too. Me too. I think she's great. I think the way that she like shot Sheena down by being like, I don't need that much attention. I'm just funny. People like to watch me. I was like, you know, you know it. But that was also very like Kardashian. Um, so SLC's been heating up. Yes. Speaking of not boring and people who do not have, well, people who are boring, but are trying so hard to find anything they can to, you know, start a fight. Like SLC is so, is so dedicated to the classic housewives form right now. Like they're so obsessed with like having blowout dinner parties and like having girls trips gone awry. Like it's not new at all. It's just like, and I'm like, and like, but Lisa is able to manufacture these amazing, iconic, like very iconic, memeable moments of, you know, throwing the mic back. Like, but she's doing a kind of like thing that like everyone's done before, but she's really, but she's making it her own in this kind of fun way. I don't think it's like fake for her which is like what I do because I think that when I during the first season I thought that she was like very fake like I definitely thought I mean she she is in so many ways but like I think that she I felt like she was manufacturing a lot of stuff on the show to go her way and I think that in the beginning of this season she was definitely manufacturing stuff especially the stuff with like uh, Whitney and that other woman whatever her name was um oh uh like Angie Angie right and then they like went to like the restaurant and it was like the the people yeah, that was crazy on Angie but but then I think that Lisa kind of just like kind of like gave into the show and I think that she um I mean it's not about being smart or dumb because everyone has like their own opinions about what that means but I think that she she just gave herself to the show yeah you know and I think that by like investing yourself emotionally in a show like you feel real emotions and like you get angry and you get upset and you you lash out and I think that it's like I could watch a hundred people throw their mics at a camera person like at a producer and if they believed in what they were doing like if they like did it out of like like anger and hatred with like fear and clothing in their eyes like I I would every time it's great but they do it just because like that they do it for the trope of it like for the meme of it you can tell that they're doing that and it makes it like boring you're so right I kind of like forgot that was the same the same season that she was like she was getting so much shit for like manufacturing everything and then like I thought like I think something really switched for her um when her and Jen were on the fight 
in the fight on the bus, like you actually literally saw Lisa kind of snap. Like she actually like something came over her and she was like, fuck this. But you were also like, oh, this is a real person. This is real. Like this is who she is. And then she did it again, which reaffirms that she's like a hothead. <laughs> like when Meredith pisses her off and she's like, she's a fucking whore. Like, you know what I mean? Like that was the same kind of tone, the same kind of personality. And like, it's so interesting because she is now like kind of becoming like the hero of the season. Like the fans love her. Like everyone's like trying to take her down. Everyone's trying to be like, well, Lisa, you're still not good. And she's like, fuck you. I'm fine. And then like other people, like then like Meredith who started out so like strong this season has just like looked so bad because she is actually trying to control the narrative in a way that's like not working. Yeah. Right. And she, right. Because she's trying to hide. Yeah. And I think that that was like, yes, you're right. Like it did give her power, but I think that she like wielded the power like incorrectly, you know? And I think that like Lisa Barlow during the first season was trying to hide. Like she didn't drink on camera at all. And people were like, that doesn't make sense. How can she not drink without a tequila? But then you tequila company, but then you realize, oh, she does actually drink. She is like this incredible walking contradiction. And she, you know, this, you know, she, she's someone who like eats like six cats for breakfast but like has like a supermodel body which is just like incredible like it's not like oh I wish I was that skinny or something it's just like that is like an incredible type of crazy person who you're like you must be an alien you're a Jew from New York who converted (laughs) to Mormonism and like has like a preference on the different like ice styles and different like soft serve whatever's like soft drinks at different fast food chains but like you're still like the most stylish one and you call your son baby gorgeous and you talk in the third person. She's like the perfect little Petri dish of a housewife. Like that is a housewife. Like yeah. somebody who's like so contradictory, very complex and really, truly like fucking weird <laughs> and not weird in a scary way. Like if Mary was just weird and not like a terrifying person, she would be incredible as a housewife. But she was right. bustling around her empty kitchen making pill shakes. I mean, obsessed. You obsessed. know, like, but like Meredith is like trying to be like, I think you made a comparison of her to Ramona at one point. And I was like, that's inspired because you don't think of them the same way, but she's such a Ramona. She's the worst. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, she puts on these like weird airs, you know, which I think is like, and every, you can see right fucking through it. It's like you can always see through that. Right. Exactly. And and it's also at a certain point, it's like, who are you hiding from? And I think that, that like, that's always like the thing, especially with the housewives, even yeah. with VPR in a certain way, but we don't need to make that comparison. But like, it's like, who are you hiding from? You're on a show. Now all, you know, all the books come out. We know that they know they're on a show and they have contracts to like share themselves yeah. Uh, with with producers we we know we know what's going on behind the scenes in terms of the production of the show but it's like you know it's like with Meredith it's it, it just like it's just like okay like we understand that like maybe or maybe not you went to your father's memorial but why are you pretending that you care so much people know or not right like no one cares like no one gives a fuck but like right. what I do care about is is you know like Lisa Barlow thinking that she's like this incredible specimen of a friend and are actually having moments where she is an incredible friend yeah and then the very realness of her feeling very hurt by Meredith oh, because Meredith so is like hurt. a horrible friend she just gets so hurt because like and that's a real emotion and that's something that's just like she is hurt because her best friend of 10 years 
is like not sticking up for her. And you just realize that in a second, you realize that at the same time, she realizes that the moment she sees Meredith in a completely different light. And it's when Meredith doesn't stand up for Jenny. Yeah. And well, you and can I think, see it. yeah, I totally agree. I, I mean, so like, so you talking about like the seeing it, like, like that they kind of like are kind of in opposition to each other. Like what, what, what Lisa sees in Meredith, like says, then suddenly you see Meredith in a different way. Like SLC is also doing a really amazing, like the classic thing that I love when they do this in the housewives. And this is why, in my opinion, New York was so fucking bad last season. It's because there wasn't enough couple one-on-one relationships happening all at the same time before the group gathered. Like this episode was all like vignettes of like the women in twosomes, like hanging out and like talking. And that's like the best thing that they do. Like I'm obsessed with that. And like, like everyone is kind of like they the couple thing is very important in in Salt Lake City. Like Meredith and Lisa are kind of like a foil for one another. Like Heather and Whitney are kind of like a team, but they can re- kind of represent this like Utah, like blonde. They they represent something you know within them too. Like they're a target. They're like kind of stronger together, but they're both very strong on their own. Like you know, there's all these like couples that kind of make the show interesting, like Jenny and Heather, I mean, Jen and Heather, like, and I think like, that's something that like, is really being reinforced in these like major conflict episodes is you're getting a lot of like, you're getting a lot of like, one person does one thing, one person does the other, which is like so helpful to view. And that's like what these housewives do is it's like extremes. It's like really polarizing, right? You either like love somebody or hate them. And then like the next day you love them, you hate them. The next day you hate them, you know, like that's like the whole point. And so I feel like SLC is like, like, I really wasn't loving this season, to be honest. Like, I, everyone was, like, talking about it so much. And I was like, it's not that good. And, like, mm-hmm. this couple, last couple episodes have been really good because there is, like, I think that they're doing the right thing by, like, emphasizing, like, the really small interpersonal dynamics, which is, like, what's interesting. Right. And you also see, um, like, someone like Lisa, who thought that she was better than Heather for season one, now, like, becoming friends with Heather, Heather this season and just like really um I don't know like I I like I like when the show instills a new closeness between women because then it actually does become about like the dynamics of the friend group or whatever because the it's not just like the manufactured will take you you and you they really do start grouping up Mm -hmm. into you know it's like the Stanford prison experiment (laughs) you know (laughs) you know what I mean it's like if you say for that they're they're gonna be friends with each other and like these are the heroes and these are the villains of the season like people do they do start to believe it or they start to like act in a very certain way towards each other yeah but i do think that mary is too weird for the show and i think that she's too fucked up for the show but i also the big news this past week was that jenny is is fired because of her uh racist facebook posts which it's really just like the dumbest thing. You know, they, I have this, like, I was just thinking about it. It's just, it's not, it's just like they bring on non white people to the show because they think that, like, if you're non white in the United States, like, you're gonna be like a leftist. Yeah. Not like that, like the, like Andy Cohen probably, or people at Bravo, there's just like, right, well, that's like the, that's the like liberal it's just like ideal. The thing. It's like, oh, if right. you're black, you're going to vote for Biden. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, why wouldn't you? And that's why, like, they were like so happy that like Ebony K. Williams was on because she is kind of like the embodiment of exactly what 
like like a black woman and like the imagination of the housewives franchise would be yeah but then like so so you go to salt lake city and they're like (laughs) we're gonna have like an asian immigrant on the show and then you know she's like she's not anything like white or I, I, politically she's not anything like I guess any of them expected and I think that's why it hurts them the most is because they were like all ready to like be like on her side and to like be her ally and to like have the stop Asian hate posters and the BLM and like yada yada but then it turns out that she's just like very MAGA holding the guns like very like those memes were like so deep fried reddit republican they were like so disturbed I was like these are insane I thought they were I mean it was just like hilarious to see them the it was even funnier thing was like because she's just she's like a fucking racist or I don't even know if you can call a racist or whatever she's just like a very far-leaning right conservative Utah yeah. woman <laughs> yeah I mean, but that to me, and that to me, like, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to like talk about cancel culture, but like that to me is like, okay, if you want to have real housewives of Salt Lake City, like that's who the fuck's going to be on Salt Lake City. It's Salt Lake City. Like that's the whole, that's like a whole character of that place. Like, like Whitney probably is like fine. Cause she like knows how to like, cause she's like a like pretty white girl, like knows how to have like the acceptable politics, but I guarantee you Whitney's entire family and probably low-key Whitney, like has like awful politics. No, one of Whitney's friends who I think was on the show, one of the parties, was was one of the people at the January 4th, like that's like one of her friends who was just like there, January 6th, sorry. Yeah. Right, January 6th. How dare you forget that tragic day in our nation's history. I know, Lin-Manuel Miranda (laughs) and the Hamilton, they should have unfortunately it didn't sink in well enough um no but but exactly like also you know like mary leads like a horrifying culty church horrifying. like again probably stole millions of dollars from like old people those are i mean they're worse things than posting anti-blm memes on facebook which is not to say that like you know i would want to be f- it's not even friends like it's not to say I agree with her like I, I I don't agree with her political opinions but I also don't agree with Luann or Ramona or, or Ebony's political opinion Salt Lake City is is has is it is on very fragile footing because it's the newest one so it has to, it really has to deliver on like the kind of woke agenda of like network tv right now like it really has to do that it really has to stay in line but it also has to like still be a housewives franchise. And I feel like it's really, I feel like it's, it's, it's a little tough. You know, I feel like I'm, I'm curious to see the reunion and I'm very curious about season three. So I don't know. It's just like, it's just, it's so weird to me that like you would fire someone for like having like political beliefs or like political leanings that like, if it was your family, you wouldn't, they would probably stick by their family member, right? But it's just, like, so funny to me of thinking about, like, people protesting Real Housewives for, like, not firing Jenny. It's so insane. I know. Like, I'm like, you do you think that it's, like, an arbiter of, like, goodness? Like, what? What's – are you getting a moral satisfaction? It's like, it's our culture. It's our world. It's a reflection of our world. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, let it be a reflection of the world. Like, let it be a reflection of Salt right. Lake City. Like I want like a QAnon right. bitch well, on Whitney's next friend season. is a 
QAnon, you know what I mean? Like whatever. Get her on the show. I don't know. Like Jenny's gonna make money somehow. She's obviously a grifter, but like also they're all grifters. Especially SLC new like new housewives are such grifters. Like a brand new season. I know. And we also all know that like most super, super wealthy people, especially new money, are like conservatives. That's just like that's just like how people with a lot of money vote because it's like lower taxes them you know what I mean and it's like a a lot of a lot of where their money is invested are in like x y and z that like if 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 you're someone or you you know what I'm saying like a lot of their money is predicated upon like conservative um economic systems it's just like a fact about about like how money and politics tie together in the United States it's just like the dumbest thing ever to think that just like because she like made Facebook posts which just like cement her as like who we already knew she probably was like what so by condoning it are they saying that they voted for Biden are they saying that they like wrote in Bernie Sanders did they like protest is like Whitney not going to be friends with her like QAnon friend it's like no it's ridiculous they're all they probably all share those political beliefs except for Jen I do believe that Jen is like strangely this weird contradiction of like pro BLM like she's probably very anti-Israel in a radical way Jen is just she's incredible I I love her literally her her arrest was like the whole point of this thing and now I'm like love this bitch she's my favorite (laughs) She doesn't give a fuck that she was arrested. She's such and a she's hero. Like, I was gonna give you these presents <laughs> before the day. <gasps> that like her, she liquidates her mother's retirement fund I and know. then gives them all time. And she's just great because she's she's also insane. And I think that like when she screams too much, she becomes like a little bit too insane because you're like you can't go anywhere beyond that. But she, I definitely love. When they're just like at dinner, no matter what argument, she just sees anyone getting into an argument and she's like, see, Lisa, see, you're not a good friend to me. And they're like, what the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? Like, it's just, I don't know. It's just so funny. And um, she 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 makes it seem very fake in a way. Not 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 fake. I think that she just like adds a certain like comic relief to it by being by having such an ego and yeah. making it like instead of about like. Like Meredith, you know, it's, it's, it's like, yeah, your dad died. That's a horrible tragedy. But I think Meredith is just like. Well, so you're like 60 right, years old. Her dad was probably like 90 died. something, you know? Like, it, sorry, exactly. like he had a stroke. My grandfather also died when he was like 95. And it's it's it was for the better, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No one wants to live. No one wants to be that old. Like my 100-year-old grandma is like very depressed because she's literally like all my friends have died 20 years ago. Um, you know, so it's, it's that's a yeah. whole different, like real grandmas of Brentwood, Los Angeles. Oh, I would watch that show. But uh, what was I? What was I even saying? Um, oh, right. Then she like pretends as if like it's such this like off. Like you, she's like you can't talk about my family. My as a love, she says family. My family. Okay, she literally <laughs> like has a British accent. But you know what I mean. Oh yeah, your dad's memorial is off limits. That's ridiculous. <laughs> my family is off my family. limits. My family, Lisa, my family. They're all trying to be Lisa Vanderpump, but they're all failing because they're idiots. They can never. They, they can never, never live with diamonds um, and rosé. Well, so that's the recap. That's kind of what's going on in the universe, everybody. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll do it more justice next time we, we talk. Um, it, it's, it's just, we're, we're at such a pivotal moment in, in, in the world of reality television. We really are. It's really changing before our very eyes. It is. And like, I guess it always has been, but, but now, now more than ever as people. Yeah. That was like a big thing. But stay tuned. We have some great guest episodes coming up. Um, we're going to read some books. We're reading more books. Um, 2022 is book vibes. <laughs> um, books are in. God is out. Oh my God. You heard it here first. Trend forecasting in February. That's right. That's how we do it in money can't buy you class. Cargo that site. Yeah. Money can't buy you class. Cargo site. That is money can't buy you class. Cargo site. For it's free. your home for money can't buy you class. Mm-hmm. Get on there. If you have an idea, I don't know. DM us. We'll we'll DM give you us. something. Like and subscribe. Right. We wanted to start saying that. Oh yes, yeah. I guess we have to start. So yes, since this is a podcast, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. And you can follow us on Instagram at money can't buy you class underscore pod or on Twitter at sad underscore porous. That's p o r o u s underscore grad uh that is my personal twitter that is phoebe's personal twitter please don't be rude i'm too well no please be rude Um, (laughs) i just i'm too lazy to to have like three twitter handles it's too hard i think the internet should get more simple in 2022 um but coming up is gonna be the salt lake city reunion um, which Mary famously did not attend. Good riddance, weird bitch. Bye. She's so weird. She's not good. Although I was and when she obsessed- farted on camera in the first episode, that's when I knew. That's what I knew. I also <laughs> loved when she was like, I'm cold. And they were like, Can you bring some blankets? And she was like, No. <laughs> She's so like psychotic. She's such rude. a bitch. Oh, also, wait, we can't for- we can't go off without I can't go out without shouting out. Heather being an absolute G and Mary being like, well, you don't have a husband. And Heather's like, who's your husband? Your step granddaddy. I was like, yes, bitch, get her. <laughs> it's so crazy. And then she's on the phone with her son and she says, is that you're you urinating? Ur- are you urinating? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> I was like, why are you saying urinating? <laughs> I was like, oh no, she's so scary. She's so scary. Ooh weird she hates jenny yeah she hates jenny maybe maybe she hates jenny because jenny's a republican oh also exciting news to share with the fellow pod pod listeners i saw kim kardashian (laughs) oh yeah you didn't even tell me how that how that went oh yeah yeah yeah. okay i'll do it quick so i went to an art opening on last saturday at a gallery for a famous artist who I used to be employed by and I was just walking in minding my own business feeling a little weird socially as one does at openings and I literally stumbled upon the silhouette of Kim Kardashian and I'm not joking when I say I immediately knew it was her she was like five one in heels she had her dark hair pulled back into a low bun and she was wearing this kind of leather Balenciaga like coat dress. And she was standing in the middle of the room surrounded by these two tiny, like older blonde women who were like her art advisors or collectors or something. And 
she and there was a security guard there too and he was just he kind of looked like a guy that was like there and you could tell he was working for her though because she like would look at her phone and then she without looking she would just hand him (laughs) her phone and she was kind of just in the middle of the room like rotating in a circle and everyone like ostensibly looking at the art and everyone in the room it was so funny that it was an art crowd because everyone was kind of like oh we're not gonna like we would never say hello to her. Like (laughs) how gauche and also how embarrassing to know that like, I know who Kim, like what is she doing in my, you know, circle. And so no one really wouldn't wanted to like look at her. So everyone was kind of rotating around her. (laughs) And she was like, and it was just like this weird, like everyone's like in the space. I just love the, the, like the, the wealth disparity and like 100 square or however many square feet it is of the gallery. Like that's just like, that's just so incredible. And I just, I do love that, like, because it's just, like, all those, like, L.A. art hoes yeah. <laughs> and Kim Kardashian. It's not like, oh, my God, oh, my God, it's Kim Kardashian. It's like, oh, my God, don't look there. It's Kim Kardashian. I don't even know who I'm talking about. Anyway, there you have it. Celebrity sighting IRL. There we go. It's, they're always. They're around. Whatever. Um, they're, they're thanks for like listening. Us. Like, comment, subscribe, follow. Say nice things in the comments. Bye. Bye. Money can't buy your class. Money can't buy your class. Elegance is learned, my friends. Elegance is learned, oh yeah. Money can't buy your class. Money can't buy your class. Elegance is learned, my friends. Elegance is learned. How many men there are that forget to hold the door when I give them so much more than they can imagine? Money rich and manners poor Never got the boys too far Money talks but I just walk When I can't stand it And the primary mistake Texting on a date If you make a lady wait She'll take a pass The lesson all should learn Even if there's cash to burn Respect yourself cause no one else Can change your path Money can't buy your class Money can't buy your class To allow the men you've met To exemplify their very best behavior When entering a room, greet everyone And soon you'll be invited and entitled to the grandeur Your company should feel when a conversation's real Even if the topic feels like science class You can tell where someone's been without even asking him He's either rude or has some style and panache Money can't buy your class Money can't buy your class Elegance is learned, my friends 
elegance and flair and savoir faire. You don't have to be rich or famous to be unforgettable. Haha. <laughs> it's not about where you're from, it's about what you've learned. Money can't buy your class. Money can't buy your class. Elegance is learned, my friends. Elegance is learned. Money can't buy your class.